Welcome to Monster Crush, a podcast that's a little spooky, always sexy, and surprisingly educational. Every episode, we dare to find love in all the wrong places on our never-ending quest for the best monster smooches. I'm Heavenly, and I'm here to ask the real questions like, does dating someone from the medieval times count as dating an older man? And I'm joined, as always, by Derek Sword. Hello. Hello. Um, wow, that's, yeah, no, okay, two thoughts on that. So, are are we thinking that somehow someone has gone full Methuselah, 900 years old, has has existed from the medieval times now? Because, yeah, that's, that's robbing the grave a few times over, but if we're talking time travel, I don't know. So if they were to time travel, if a peasant from the 13th century time traveled to modern day and you thought, or you know what? Isn't this a movie about a caveman who comes to modern day? Are you thinking the Brendan, falls, Fra- the Brendan Fraser movie? Um, yeah. And someone falls in love with him. Is Was Brendan Fraser an older man in that movie? <laughs> technically, he, he survived that long. I mean, he, I think he was frozen. God, what was the, it had Pauly Shore in it. It was like Encino Man or that's something, what right? Yeah, Encino Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brendan Fraser was like her great, great, Older great, man. great, 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 great. Yeah, probably an, an ancestor by by all technicalities. So does that count as dating an older man? Yeah, I think in that case, absolutely. Yeah, she was she was dating somebody who was a couple thousand years old. <laughs> but if he time traveled, then you're saying it wouldn't count as an older man. Because then I don't think that... And granted, I don't understand how time travel works. That's not anywhere near my my area of expertise. Uh, But I think that if you were to time travel, you're technically the same age as when you arrive in a different time. You know, it's not like if we go back in time, we're like negative something years old. Okay. I see what you're saying. You see, that's my logic on it. So yeah, I think think if you, if they traveled into the future, if you were a 26-year-old and you traveled... Uh, you know, 30 years in the future, you wouldn't be 56. You'd still technically have the the body mentality. Everything about you would still be 26. Okay. So it's more of the, it's a mind over matter, literally. It's about your mind over the matter of your being. Absolutely. And also to that point, somebody from the 13th century coming to like, well, now especially, I think they die instantly just from, you know, the lack of, um, what is it, like immunity. Uh, but then, you know, just show them an iPhone and their brain explodes. It's there's a lot of other complications besides romance for that person. Oh, yeah, because if the first time that they ever have a Doritos, a nacho cheese Doritos, one single nacho cheese Dorito has more nacho cheese flavor than they've experienced in their whole lifetime. (laughs) They don't even know what nacho cheese is. (laughs) Oh, and I'm sure they speak old English, which is nowhere near the English that we speak. I was watching a video on that the other day because that's what I do for fun. Um... Yeah, and uh, you're tr- yes, nacho cheese. N- no, it's it's a it's a ch-, ch sound. No, you can't make that. Okay, you you speak basically Dutch. Neat. You live with me now. You are my husband. <laughs> you are my husband, pet. Would that be um, creepy though? So if uh, let's go with the time travel angle here. If a and we're going with the peasant angle for some reason. We're not assuming that noblemen are traveling. A peasant travels from 13th century Europe and you find him he's scared and confused and he hasn't bathed ever because Europeans back then just didn't wash their butts 
and <laughs> he's stinky. He's a stinky, stinky boy, a stinky, rowdy boy. And you find him and you kind of shelter him. And over time, you fall in love with him. Is that weird for you to do? Heavenly, you're asking me on a show that we talk about romancing monsters if something's know, but weird. Isn't, but isn't that like, doesn't that seem a little sketchy? I think it's all about consent. Pow- and I think that's I think what it comes power, down to. But I feel like the power dynamics that you would have over a peasant who time traveled. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You're like picking the fleas off of him very sensually. But <laughs> no, yeah, there, there's definitely, there's there's a whole knowledge thing to there's, it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. There's doesn't he doesn't have what we would consider to be like a basic education? You haven't seen a single Avengers movie? Ugh. Yeah, he's culturally just uncivilized. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There is a power dynamic that I'm not sure could ever be accounted for, but you know, it's there's plenty of movies about it. What Kate and Leopold is an odd one that's coming to mind. There, there's plenty of movies about time-traveling romance. I mean, Doctor Who basically is time-traveling romance in, in several of the episodes. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a few thousand years old, but continues to have romantic endeavors. I think we should, you know, I kind of want to, I don't want to necessarily put in place kind of a hard border, a, a hard yes or no, but I feel like if, if you're time-traveling romance... If they don't know about germ theory, they might should be off limits. I think oh. that's. I germ think that's where so we, recent though. <laughs> I th- I know I know, and I think that's where we draw the line. Okay. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that you can't explore romance. If you wake up one day and there's a peasant from the 13th century in your backyard and you take care of him and you fall in love, who am I to say that that isn't real? I'm just saying that I think you need to come at it from a very different mindset. You need to be very aware of the pa- – just as if you were a professor who falls in love with a with a student, you know, okay. who's yeah. above – you know, who's legal and is older, you know, like a grad student or something. Like, you can do it, but you have to come at it with with a different mindset. They're, they're – Things that you have to do to make sure that you aren't abusing power. Absolutely. And I think I think pre-germ theory is when that comes into play for us with time travel romances. Yeah, if they're talking about, you know, balancing their humors and how there's like a nasty smell in the air, which is causing a plague. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's time to push that person back through their particular wormhole, slipstream, um, slider gate. Uh, what have you? Put them, yeah. put them back in in the in the police box. You know, <laughs> just slide that door shut and maybe lock it from the outside next time. Yeah, call Jerry O'Connell, get him to to open one of his little his slider gates and push him on through. Push him back through that stargate. I'm sure there's others. Um, I can't think of them now, but yeah, other, other time traveling. Put him back in the the time travel machine. There you go. Thanks, H. D. Wells. And this is Jules Verne. this is kind of. Related, it's a cousin of this question, but in Disney's Tarzan, we know that Ooh. Jane was having a slutty girl summer, but <laughs> was that weird of her <laughs> to find to find a man who didn't really speak English and had been raised by apes and then marry him? Is that weird of her? Okay, so so if we're speaking specifically Disney Tarzan, that <laughs> if if that's if that's what we're going for. 
I think that she went into that relationship with the intention of culturalizing Tarzan and trying to, you know, bring him into the world of men and romance happened. And then at the end, she ends up joining Tarzan's way of life anyway. That's true. You're right. So in that case, he actually has the power because he's like, oh, you don't know how to swing from vines and be like a jungle skater boy? Okay, because, yeah, the the power dynamic definitely shifts there, and even her dad comes along as a weird third wheel sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't know how to speak to gorillas? <laughs> That's fucking weird. <laughs> okay, you're right. That's a good point. But yes, in the traditional Tarzan, where she, like, it ends up with him getting on the boat, putting on a suit, and then, like, going back to London, and everybody's, oh, how curious, a, a jungleman. Right. That's yeah. weird and racist. That's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jane's racist in that situation. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it's just a great example of European colonialism. That's that good old English empire. Well, now that we've really solved some of the pressing issues of our time. Yeah, we took a, uh, a couple of deep minutes. dives there. <laughs> yeah, we solved we solved the problem in twelve minutes. Uh, this this episode is going to be about medieval folklore, me- medieval creatures, and dates and cryptids. Oh, fun. That's really cool. Okay. Yeah. So, the, the you know, the timeline of medieval period can vary. So when we think of medieval Europe, we're typically people are talking about 5th to 15th century. But then there are some dates from medieval Asia that date 3rd to 14th century. Sure. And some dates from medieval Africa that are 3rd to 16th century. So there is a little bit of variation. So I'm going to say for the purpose of this, this is like 3rd to 16th century, just so it gets kind of all of those timelines in there. Okay, so we're going fall of the Roman Empire well on through the Renaissance. Yes. Cool. To kind of, and I think the, the Ottoman Empire was like 15th century, so a little bit of them as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of everything in there. It's a big time period. I was going to do four, but the fourth one that I was going to use actually had a lot of history, and I think that he'd be better in a different episode, so I'm only coming to you with three offerings. (laughs) Three is perfect. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Singleton number four could even have their own episode if there's a ton of history on them. Oh yeah, there is so much. But I thought it would be fun if we actually started with a little game. Ooh, this is new. We, okay. We Yeah, we got to our dates later. So one of the fun things about medieval art is the way that they drew animals. Because especially about medieval Europe, when they were hearing about animals they had never seen, and we've talked about this on past episodes, they always had to relate it to what they had seen, which is why a, a lot of animals just look like weird dogs <laughs> yeah. in medieval <laughs> European art. Because they were like, it's a, it's a dog, I guess, but it's long and <laughs> is fast and has the color of a giraffe. I don't know. It's so strange. So I thought it would be fun to read medieval descriptions. These are from the medieval bestiary. I will read you a description of a real animal that is commonplace that exists today. And you have to try and guess what it is. I am so down for this. Yes, please. <laughs> Let's do this. Our first one is a small creature born from the soil with a liver that gets larger at the time of the full moon. According to Pliny, some not iron and others eat gold and those found in mines can be cut open to find bellies full of gold they don't mate to produce offspring they either lick one another or they taste salt those found in egypt and the alpines walk on two feet what animal is this okay so it is a small creature 
whose liver gets larger, but if you cut them open, they're full of gold? Yeah. And they, they don't... Okay, they lick each other, <laughs> don't mate, and some are bipedal. Um, oh, fuck. What? I It sounded familiar for, like, almost a second. They're born from the soil. I'm gonna say a mole? It is a mouse. A mouse? Re- like... Okay, I uh, I thought they had mice in Europe and would know that they're not little, like, I don't know, like, something from an RPG where you smash them and they're full of, like, jewels and, and a, oh, I found a small sword inside of one of them. Well, apparently you just haven't interacted with mice correctly. It's a yeah. secret. <laughs> Here I was um, trying, you know, to be a, a good person and, and use um, <laughs> compassionate traps for, for mice, and instead I should have been hitting them with a battle axe and I would have found a full set of armor inside of them. <laughs> All right, second animal. I have, I have quite a few of these because I got really carried away. Some of them have short descriptions. Some of them have very long descriptions. And I think the longer the description, definitely the more confusing it is. I'm going to say I went into this with a, with a sense of confidence that I don't think I'm going to come out of this with. But let's right. keep going. This one is an animal so wild, no hunter can approach it. Their horns are like saws, and they can cut down trees with them. What animal is this? Uh bullshit is what it is um horns like saws i'm gonna say an a moose i'm gonna say a moose it's an antelope all right yeah i guess they're kind of ribbed i guess all right the horns are okay yeah all right here we go a beast that weeps after eating a man of all known (laughs) animals this is the one this is the one which, from the smallest size, grows to be the greatest. It is four-footed, and its skin is very hard, so that not even stones can hurt it. It lives on the land during the day and the water at night. While in the water, it's blind, but it has keen eyesight on land. What animal is this? I'm thinking this one's a crocodile. You nailed it. You got okay. it. Okay, yeah. Crocodile tears. They're, okay. Maybe yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. maybe that's yeah. something. Okay, yeah. Uh, these creatures are hunted for their testicles. When they see they can't escape, they use their great teeth to bite off its own testicles and throws them at the hunter. Oh. What animal is this? This animal's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> God, bites its own testicles off and it's wanted for them. Um, I have no idea. I'm going to say a, an elephant. It's a beaver. No, it's not, but okay. (laughs) This is one of my favorite ones. What if? Um, Man, what if? Apparently, beavers used to be hunted for their testicles. Uh, That is true, because they contain some oil that was used in medicine. Yeah. I don't think it's true that they cut off their own testicles and threw them at the the human and were like, is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted from me? I... They'll go back. <laughs> no, Jerry, they won't. Um, I, I do know that there is a part of the beaver that's used in like um, like synthetic flavors. I, I think that actually might I'm pretty be. pretty sure it's their testicles. Yeah, it might be. I think it's their testicles. All right. Maybe it was just somebody who was like, yeah, they like to chew on wood. And somebody's like, yeah, I, I don't think that's what 
you think it means. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. All right. A bird with eyes so strong it can look directly into the sun. As it ages, its eyesight dims and its feathers and wings become heavy. To rejuvenate, it flies up to the sun, which burns away the mist over its eyes and burns off its old feathers. It then plunges into the water three times and breaks its ever-growing beak against a rock. Then it is born again. To test their young, they hold them directly into the sun. Babies that look away or shield their eyes are thrown out of the nest. <laughs> what animal is this? Oh man, um, the the ever growing beak makes me think like a heron, maybe a longer longer beak. I don't know any bird that just like fucking does a staring contest with the sun, just staring right at it. I I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna say heron. Maybe maybe eagle. It is an eagle. It's an eagle. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, maybe that's why our our president decided to to stare directly into a solar eclipse because it's our nation's symbol. Yeah. God damn it's it! It's what you would do. <laughs> it's, it's for America. Okay, next Idiot. one. Idiot. Uh, these wild, lusty creatures are so sexed up that their blood is hot enough to dissolve diamonds. Jesus, that's it. Yep. Um. Sexy animals, sexed up animals. Uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, the animals known for fucking. I'm gonna go with rabbits. It's a goat, actually. Gross. <laughs> that is not an animal. I would I would necessarily go. Oh, that animal's hot to trot. Well, haven't you ever heard of horny goat weed? I guess I I guess I never thought too hard about it. When I heard horny goat, I thought it was just a pun because goats have no. horns. No, goats would eat it, and it would make them wild. Just real wild. <laughs> and some dude watched and was like... Oh. <laughs> there wasn't a lot to do back then. <laughs> that gives a whole new connotation to that Goatman episode that you did with Ellie way back in the day. Yep. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick by it. Gross. Okay. All right. This, this one has a lot, a lot going on for it. So right. this is the smallest of birds, and they are born from worms that appear in the bodies of oxen or decaying flesh. Pliny says that they were alone created for the sake of man. They have a functioning government and leaders. They can forecast wind and rain. If one of them falls while flying, they wrap themselves in dirt and are retrieved by others who return them home where they can ferment back to health. They like the sound of clanging bronze, and dead ones can be revived by burying them in mud and covering them with the body of an ox or a bull. Augustine believes that they are born of corruption and don't have sex. Uh, they're born without feet and will commit suicide if they break laws. What animal is this? Wow, that was a lot. Okay, I, I, have, I have one clarifying question. Is this actually a bird, or is this an insect? And they're like, yeah, they're the same thing. They fly. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. It is not actually a bird. Okay, good good to know. Um, I am going to say this is a honeybee? It is a bee, Yeah, Correct. all right. Two for like ten. All right, we, I have three more. Okay. Uh, a crafty and deceitful animal that never runs in a straight line, only in circles. When it wants to catch a bird, it rolls in mud so that it appears to be covered in blood and lifeless. When the bird lands on what they think is a dead animal, they're eaten. 
When they're born, they are unfinished and they are licked into shape. What animal is this? Hmm. I'm going to say a snake. It's a fox. It's a fox. Okay. I have not known them to run only in circles or roll around. But okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Who, who am I to judge these ancient minds of wisdom? These, these great <laughs> men who shaped Western culture. Um, okay. A bird that gives birth to living young. It is not a noble bird and has <laughs> teeth. They're so judgmental about these animals. (laughs) It's a bird. Real shitty one. It's the worst of the birds. (laughs) Okay, so that was it. It's just, it's a a bird that gives birth to live young and has teeth. And it's not Uh, a noble bird. It's not a noble bird. Uh, Platypus. It's It's a bat. Not a bird. All right. Not a bird. <laughs> not a bird. They have a very, uh, very loose sense of what birds are. There's not if a lot it of flies. If it flies, it's a bird. <laughs> That's right. Not a lot of taxonomy going on here. All right. Last one. This is actually a bird. It's going to say bird, and it is a bird for real. Okay. Okay. You've, <laughs> I don't know if I can trust you anymore. They, these, these these ancient <laughs> Greeks have really screwed with my uh, my sense of trust. Um. It's. I feel like this is such a good example of that meme of the guy with the butterfly and he's like is this a bird (laughs) yeah exactly uh these birds live near the sea and function as normal birds until their babies are born sometimes in well performing parenthood activities they become so overcome with rage they kill their own babies and then at the end of three days they pluck themselves until they bleed when the blood touches their dead babies, it brings them back to life. Some of these birds are known to eat crocodiles. What bird is this? Jesus Christ. Um, bird that eats crocodiles. Uh, I am going to say a seagull? It's a pelican. It's a pelican. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was where, uh, yeah, it was one of the two. Okay. Lives by the sea. That was, that was kind of where I'm going. I did not know they had regenerative blood. We should get definitely get some scientists on that. Seems like they're just kind of sitting on that one. It's the, it's the fountain of youth. It's in the pelicans all along. I think there's so much to learn. One, that apparently mice are, have bellies full of gold. Just and full of them. That, that pelicans uh, can, I don't know, reborn anything. Yeah, there's a lot of like magical qualities to the animals. I, I, I never knew. Um, okay, that was that was really fun. I, I definitely thought I was like, oh no, this is gonna be this is gonna be fine. It's gonna be like, you know, it's a spotted dog that runs fast. No, no, it's no, it's just outright lies. It's <laughs> it's these it's these guys basically. You know, we now have like kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, and they just they're like kingdom. Good enough. They have they have bird and dog. That's <laughs> yeah. really all. Does it have four legs and runs? It's a dog. No, the, this the, this one. Nope, it's a dog. I swear to God, it, that they, they point, farm dog pointing at a cow, house dog yeah. pointing at a dog, exactly. shitty dog pointing at a cat. Yeah, insects are just birds with no feet. That's right. Small bird, big bird. Hi guys. All right, well, those are, those are what I have from you for the totally real animals that we all agree exist. They all exist. Maybe <laughs> not as described, but not as advertised. That's <laughs> <laughs> 
And with that in mind, I have three bachelors and singletons for you. Wonderful. All right. Let's let's get even crazier. <laughs> Our first singleton belongs to a class of supernatural beings that are described in Buddhist, Hindu, and John texts. Mm-hmm. Their name in Sanskrit means hungry ghost, and they are former people turned ghosts who suffer in the afterlife from insatiable hunger and thirst. Those who are reborn as hungry ghosts do so because of their excessive greed in their previous life. They crave something specific and often repungent like corpses or feces. In some Buddhist traditions, they are pitied and not generally seen as malevolent. A special ceremony during Oban season or Oban season called Sagaki is performed to help ease their suffering. Rice and water are laid out on special altars out of the sight of any statues and of the statue of Buddha, and these creatures are called to eat while prayers are said to ease some of their suffering. They are invisible to the human eye, but can be seen in certain mental states. They are human-like with mummified skin, narrow limbs, distended stomachs, and long necks. They may also have very, very tiny mouths. Oh, okay. Their hunger affliction is linked in some way to their past life. Some of them can eat but can't find food. Others can find food but can't swallow. Some find any food they eat turning to flame in their throat, while others are cursed with anything they find withering up before them. In the summer, the sun burns them, and at night, the moon freezes them. So they're just really just getting assaulted on all fronts. Yeah, this is a this is a sad, sad existence. In Tibetan Buddhism, their affliction is one of the six realms of rebirth, or one of the four unhappy rebirths. So the first rebirth is as a deva, then an asura, a human, an animal, uh, a hungry ghost, or as a being in naraka, which is what we would call like Buddhist hell, but it's more like a kind of the the last of the unhappy rebirths. And those who are reborn in uh, Naraka can actually kind of work their way out of it and can be reborn in another realm. So it's not meant to be lifelong punishment, just like a kind of a hold until they've learned their lesson. Right. It's like every stage is, is a sense of, of change. Nothing's necessarily permanent, but yeah, yeah, you can always get stuck somewhere if you choose not to change. That's what I have for you on our first singleton. That's really interesting because that that touches on a lot of there's a lot of cultural parallels. I'm I'm familiar with the the concept of the hungry ghost. I don't know the names of of these singletons individually, but um, it's really reminiscent of like Tantalus from from Greek mythology, ever reaching towards the the fruit above him or the the drink below and never being able to reach. Or it, it's almost kind of indicative of even the Wendigo in some ways. You know, the, mm. the always mm-hmm. needing to eat. But every time that you feed, you you grow in proportional size so that you're always starving. Yeah, that's that's horrifying. Yeah, but uh, okay, at least they're I don't know, model thin all the time. That's <laughs> well, they do have distended bellies, so maybe not. Oh, thin. okay, yeah, and the sun burns them, and the moon freezes them, and maybe just they just need like a, a nice sweater at night. <laughs> Are you allowed to make one of them sweaters? They all, I also like the idea that they have super tiny mouths. There's always something very funny to me about creatures that have very tiny mouths. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like maybe because they can't fit food in it, maybe that's why their mouths are so tiny. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's kind of like they're they're always starving, but they've got like you know, a little straw hole and they're trying to fit a hamburger in there. 
When I was reading this, I also I am playing The Witcher three right now, and there's one quest where you meet the the bandit who has been cursed by one of this woman that he killed, like a holy woman, and she cursed him so that anything he eats turns to ash in his belly. Huh. Oh, gross. And it, yeah. and it was because he had been cursed for his greed because he was like always wanting more. So she cursed him to to always be searching and never able to find what he's looking for. Yeah, just like the Pirates of the Caribbean. That was that was something in the first movie. They had little gold coins from Cortez. They... Oh, that's right. Yeah. I watched that movie a lot. I haven't seen that movie in so long. It doesn't hold up. It's all right. <laughs> the other day I was thinking we should watch it because since we're in quarantine, we've been watching so many movies as a household, and I said something about like watching. I was like, oh, we should watch Pirates of the Caribbean, and my partner was like, you just want to watch it because Orlando Bloom is in it, and I was like, first of all, how dare you assume that I don't want to watch it because of Kira Knightley? Like, who the <laughs> fuck? Who watches it for Orlando Bloom when Kira Knightley is looking radiant in that film? She she does look amazing in that movie. <laughs> Orlando who? I honestly don't even know who you're talking about. I literally only have eyes for Kira Knightley's character. I'm sorry if you hear squeaking. My dog has a toy right now. I do. Yeah. I kind of thought it was a bird. What kind? <laughs> <laughs> One with legs. Are you going to take the toy away from her? No, I'm going to try just getting her to stop, but no, she's she's taunting the other dog with it now. That's okay. We're we're a pro-pet podcast. Pro-pet podcast. Yeah. A PPP. Record with your dogs. <laughs> All right. So our second bachelor has two forms, one for his native home of the sea and one for land. Mm. His stomping grounds are the Orkney Islands in the north coast of Scotland. We don't know what he looks like on in the sea, but we know that on land he is truly a horrifying sight. He is described <laughs> He may be beautiful in the sea, which is what I'm trying to hint at. We um, don't know. <laughs> we can we only know. assume it's better. <laughs> While on land he is described as having a head and a torso in the shape of a man with a full horse attached to him from the waist down. So not like a centaur, kind of, but like a full fucking head and everything horse. Yeah, he's okay. basically like a man from the waist up attached to a horse. Where is he attached? Like in the back part, in the middle. Okay, so like it looks like he's riding, he just doesn't have legs. He's exactly. Just, okay, like some sort of horrible, I guess to go back, horseman time-traveling accident. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, his arms are long enough to reach the ground. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess they'd have to be. He's not getting <laughs> off. Um, his head is large and bulbous. He has a pig mouth and one red eye. A pig mouth? Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a pig nose, but a pig. No. Okay. A pig mouth, which I think is just a mean way of saying that he has a stupid, short, little circular mouth. Okay. And on top of, of it all, what I'm about to say is probably the worst part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he has no skin. Why? <laughs> he's, just, he's just muscles and veins and blood. So, god damn it. I have to, I have to think that, you know, a lot of these monsters, especially, you know, 
the, the ones that pop up in, in medieval lore and story, you, you have to assume that this is probably from somebody's imagination. It, it probably, you know, came into legend through storytelling. I just want to meet the person who told this story and <laughs> didn't know when to stop. <laughs> he was just, he was really drunk on all of the, the shocked faces around him. Yeah, I mean, that had to be it, because God forbid somebody actually saw this. <laughs> it's just, yeah, he's got a, yeah, li- li- listen up, I saw some, is, is a guy on a horse, not the way you think. And, uh, <laughs> in the worst way. <laughs> in the worst way. And he had big head, pig mouth, arms all the way to the ground, probably for grabbing pumpkins, I don't know. <laughs> no skin, though, and everybody's just like, oh, God, Jeff. What is worse, though? Is what's worse, a a man torso up on a horse, a full horse, or a horse torso up like half <laughs> on a full man? <laughs> Which one's worse? Oh God, it's it's got to be the second one, doesn't it? <laughs> and then the question is, how is the horse cut in this situation? Is it right down the middle, so he still has his front two legs, or is it kind of like horizontally, so it's just the top half of the horse kind of superimposed on the full back of the human? Is this is this our body horror section of every <laughs> every monster crush that we do? We we get into some body <laughs> horror. At, at some point, oh god. Um, My question is: if a if a horse rode a man, if half a horse rode a man, what would it look like? I don't want nightmares tonight, Heavenly. Um, god, it look awful. Like this is some like even Cronenberg is going like uh, he, even Cronenberg is shutting off our podcast right now. <laughs> He's jotting down yeah, notes and going, be- oh, I don't need to make anything ever again. <laughs> this is going to be in the next Hellraiser movie for sure. Yeah, because you got to think that maybe the skinless, bulbous-headed man can come to terms with his existence and maybe stop screaming in existential dread at some point. But the horse? The horse will never understand why it is bound <laughs> to this man. Why it is riding this man for eternity, for all of its existence. And then is it the horse that's in control or is it the man that's in control? I don't think the horse could ever stop screaming enough to do anything about it. <laughs> he might like it. Maybe he was tired. <laughs> it's it's the justice of the universe. For, and now I will ride you and see how you like it. For, for millennia, your ancestors have ridden mine. Now the tables have turned. <laughs> Uh, so according to some sources, we're back. We're back to our normal horse, uh, our a normal man horse. Oh yes, the normal one with the the long the arms normal and one. The, the big mouth <laughs> and the no skin. <laughs> according to some sources, he could only walk on land during the winter because during the summer the mither of the sea had the power to keep him under the waves. However, once on land, he could not wade through fre- fresh water, and he had a fear of rain, so he only liked salty water. Okay, I, I, and through all this, I completely forgot that he somehow has some alternate form. Is, is he? He's got to be just like some beautiful mermaid in the water. I, that's the only, some like gracious merman, some kelpie-like figure, because that's. But uh, why? So it says that the the mither of the sea during the summer has the power to keep him under the waves almost implying that he wants to get out of the waves. Like, he wants to be on land to cause havoc. 
So, okay, so you, you haven't finished your description, so I, I don't want to make any assumptions here, but is this, does this creature hunt on land? Is, is well, the... he definitely, no interactions with him are fun. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> he will chase you until you are able to find wa- fresh water. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's the only way to stop him is to like go in fresh water, hope that the rain comes. Um, he's blamed for failed crops, disease, droughts, and the death of livestock. And it's said that his breath is poisonous. Just tack one more thing on there. That's fine. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't necessarily hunt. It doesn't sound like he hunts human. It just kind of sounds like he wanders around on land. And if he happens to find you, then that's really that sucks. For I you. mean, it almost sounds like it, it. almost sounds like maybe he's he's not chasing you cause intentionally. Maybe he's just like friend, and his super weird long flayed arms extend out, and that's just something you have to run from. Yeah. Yeah. He's just looking for a weird skinless horse hug. Yeah, and it could just be that because he's so ugly, everyone kind of blames him for everything, but he isn't responsible for failed crops or disease right. or drought. I mean, through all the episodes that, that we have done together, there have been plenty of other things to blame for failed crops. Um, not to mention, you know, the, um, the, the striga, who are these horrible things set in the, the same area or goblins or everything there's there's tons of stuff to blame for field crops you don't have to to blame the guy with stinky breath attached to a horse with no skin yeah he definitely has some halitosis issues that's probably what it is well there's probably no mouthwash under the sea yeah yeah i I can't imagine and you know especially on a fish-based diet that's probably not pleasant brush their do mermaids brush their teeth i that's that's an excellent do mermaids have teeth well, if they have human faces, I think they have human teeth, don't they? Or they at least have they have teeth. That's an they assumption. Eat fish. They but they eat fish. What if, what if they ate krill and they have like like whale like baleen kind of like like filters inside their mouths and they just spoon with their mouths open the whole time? That'd be kind of cool though. I'm just saying. Or what if uh, what if they had like turtle like beaks to like crack open like crabs and stuff? I'm just saying, you know, they they don't have to eat fish. There's plenty of stuff to eat in the water. That's, that's true. They're, they could also just eat humans. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's... I don't know why more things don't eat humans. Like there actually aren't a there aren't a lot of cryptids that and paranormal monsters that actively eat humans. Yeah, especially when you talk about cryptids, and and maybe maybe it's because uh, you know the cryptid sightings we actually get recorded are from people who survive, and the ones that don't. You know, we're not hearing from them, but... Right, we don't hear that Bigfoot actually really loves human flesh. <laughs> and, yeah, and, uh, and absolutely, there is. there are some people who would tell you that uh, he does. Um, or, like, uh, Yeti sightings. There's Yeti sightings where the, the Yeti will, you know, attack yaks or, or yak herders, and sometimes you don't hear back from the yak herders. Or, yeah, what about the people who go swimming in Loch Ness and, you know, never come back out? But, so, I mean, some creatures definitely they seem to, like, if they kill a human, they'll eat them. You know, kind, kind of the way that, like, any animal might eat something that it kills, even if it weren't actively hunting that. Mm-hmm. But there aren't – I feel like there – maybe just because I feel like there should be more because so many paranormal monsters are so scary. But it doesn't seem that every anyone's really afraid of being eaten. It's always kind of, like, torment – They'll kill you, they'll pull your hair out, or they'll, like, curse your livestock. But no one's ever like, yeah, and then he's going to eat you alive and, like, slurp up all of your flesh. 
Yeah, you're right. There, there always does seem to be a um, a weird kind of uh, not using the whole animal. It's it's always like you know they're gonna eat just your teeth or yeah you know, they'll yeah pull your hair. Away. Yeah, it it always seems to be this this weird fate worse than death thing that comes along with monsters, which is it, not fair. I mean, they're they're totally scary enough as it is. They could just eat you. Bears are <laughs> horrifying, and all they do is maul and eat you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but no, excellent point. Well, that's that's what I have for you on uh, Bachelor number two. Uh, Bachelor number two uh, definitely made those those hunger ghosts look a lot more uh, <laughs> appealing. Um, <laughs> I thought hunger ghosts, nope, just knocking them up. But no, no, um, Mister Skinless Longarm, Big Head, <laughs> Horse Body Man. Uh, yeah, okay, I am, I am worried. About well, number wait, three. Yeah. Wait until you meet number three. Our third singleton is an animal that looks a lot like a bison, but it has acid poops, a horse mane, and curled horns. Okay, so it was just straight downhill. I should. <laughs> it lives throughout Europe and Asia and only sprays poop when it's startled, but when it does, it can send its fire poops flying 31 meters, which is 104 Roman feet, which is 101 regular feet. I did not know the Romans had different feet. Apparently they do, because I was really confused at what 104 Roman feet was, so I googled 31 meters to feet, and it said 101. So I don't know where those extra three Roman feet are coming from. (laughs) It's just one Roman overcompensating. (laughs) Shut up, Cassius. <laughs> In the text on Marvelous Things Heard, sometimes contributed to Aristotle, it is said that the beast's flesh is sweet and their poops only burn when it's afraid. So otherwise they actually have normal poops. The what? singleton was <laughs> It's just a def- it's a just a normal defense mechanism. It has uh, one I butthole guess. for excrement and it has one butthole for acid. Okay. It actually doesn't say that it has two buttholes, so it could just be one butthole, two shoots. Yeah, maybe the thing just had stress diarrhea, it sounds like. <laughs> it's like that lizard that shoots blood from its eye. You know, sometimes you just got to do something weird. Yeah, I, this is not the kind of... This, this is not the kind of significant other that you want to, like, surprise! Oh, God! <laughs> 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 it burns! Uh, so our singleton was actually kind of a popular creature, and it was featured in many bestiaries and tapestries. Typically, it was shown being hunted by humans, though the humans always had the looks of disgust on their face. Fair. Because they were typically chasing it from behind, and they were being sprayed with acid poop. I was going to say, this this sounds familiar. I, I remember, you know, in, the, in several bestiaries, something with, yeah, defense poop. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, I, I, I do remember this concept, and every time I'm just like, nope, too weird, and I flip past it, so I guess this is on me. But that's that's all I have. That's it? Okay. Yeah, there's not um, a lot. People are just like, it looks like a bison, but it has a beautiful head of hair and uh, curled horns, and also it can projectile poop fire. <laughs> Tastes good. Got that fire poop. All <laughs> Got right. that sweet, sweet meat. Maybe, and also... <laughs> Maybe the sweet, sweet meat gives you fire poops. I don't... Why would you... I mean, Taco Bell already exists. You don't need that. <laughs> uh, okay, so... I have, there's, there's hunger ghosts. 
started out the clear loser. Um, it's actually kind of looking like the most appealing at this point. Uh, so, uh, Hungry Ghosts, I, I, and then the Bulbous, Flayed, the Long Arms. I think that's the the part that's that's creeping me out the most, because I just see him, like, dragging along the ground. Yeah, you know, the anti-flesh man. Yeah. He'll, like, I don't know, like, pick up something off the ground and start eating. It's like, no, don't, don't eat off the ground. Don't eat off the ground, dude. Gross. <laughs> With your weird pig mouth. Bad breath. Um, and then, yeah, this thing, I, I, Singleton number two is a clear loser. I can, I can find little appealing about this poor, poor, whatever this is. All right. Well, let me show you Singleton number two. Um, yeah. So that is, Singleton number two is the knuckle of A, and, um, here he is. Let me just get everything here he He's coming to you right now. Here he comes. Oh, God. The horse is flayed, too. I didn't consider that. <laughs> oh, you hadn't? You thought it was just a fleshless man and a fully fleshed horse? I hope the horse was okay. It wasn't. But in this, and it's very interesting. In this uh, depiction, the horse actually, it's front. <laughs> this is actually more horrifying the longer I stare at it. Yep. The human's long arms are used as kind of pseudo front legs because the horse's front legs are flippers. Yeah, they sure are. It's almost like so. The, it's almost like if the horse didn't have front legs, and the the torso, fl- the fleshless torso, has long arms that extend past the horse's shoulders and become its front feet. And then yeah. the back legs, as they would normally sit, you know, in like a saddle, um, those are bent up. And yeah, they're definitely flippers. Ah, maybe that's how he swims. Oh. But here, so here's another... It's uh, dripping. Oh. <laughs> Here's another picture of him that's more like just man on horse. You say man on horse, but it's like all spike. That's something from Resident <laughs> Evil. You can't convince me otherwise. God damn. Um, yeah, the horse, I guess, kind of looks a little bit like a bear. It's kind of hunched. It's almost Yeah, it's almost got like a T-Rex thing to it. It's even got like little front claws on it. So I'm sorry, what did you say this thing was? This is the Nuck, Nuckalove. Nakalave. How do you spell that? N-U-C-K-E-L-A-V-E-E. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for applying. <laughs> Next. See, I, I think I'm going to go with the Hunger Ghost as, as the, the winner. So the bachelor, uh, singles in number three, uh, I think, is, is not going to get the rose on this one. So, singleton number three, who is not getting the rose, that is the Bonacon. Okay. <laughs> and here I have uh, some art of him from his fans. And. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, to describe this, it is a, um, a very traditional uh, medieval, uh, what you would see uh, normally inscribed in like a book, uh, like a Bible maybe. Uh, so it kind of has like that square outline and the you know gold leaf background. It definitely looks like a bowl. Um, it is it is kind of turned back to face its attackers, which are two uh, armored men uh, wearing chainmail. Uh, it is facing back at them as it 
sprays poop on him with its very detailed butthole. <laughs> and uh, it is doing so because one of them has, has speared it all the way yeah. through. But it looks, it looks okay with it. Uh, there's one guy going to hack at it with an axe. Uh, he as well is being um, sprayed upon. Uh, and despite them wearing shields, yeah, they are... Um, yeah, they're getting covered in shit. Can you imagine going shopping? Maybe you and your wife um, are going shopping together, and you just bought your new little your little home, and you're trying to decorate it, and you see this, <laughs> and you're just like, babe, what do you think about this? Is like, like kind of like fun bathroom art. This speaks to me. <laughs> what about this in the kitchen or the dining room? Like, What kind of vibe do you think that this would put in our new home? I think we should hang it up. Okay, so that that actually brings up an interesting point. Have you ever heard the, the theory that every um, every woman uh, at, at a certain age adopts an animal as like their their symbol? There's a whole SNL sketch about it, and <laughs> okay. and it's 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 about you know uh, women, whether it's middle age or regardless, it can it can happen at any time according to the sketch. But uh, yeah, one woman's like, ladybugs are my thing, and I have a ladybug brooch, and I have them all over my towels, and you know, another woman's like, angels are my thing. I, I want to give a, a, a shout out to my mom real quick, uh, who I've been bugging to, to listen to this, because my mom's thing is roosters. Uh, she oh, has, nice, she, yeah. Yeah, she decorates her entire kitchen uh, with chickens. Fun fact, she also hates chickens. So we have yet to figure out... Um, where that uh, crisscross is in in her brain, but yeah, there's uh, there's a painting of a rooster. There is a uh, a metal statue of a rooster. All the towels have roosters. Um, there's rooster. That's really cute. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you get to look forward to to what your animal would be. And I'm wondering if there is, to your point, somebody out there whose animal is this shit monster in their their home, um, their wardrobe. <laughs> Is all just decorated with this poop terror. I wish I had included the bestiary uh, entry for the rooster, which was a bird that can tell time. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess. <laughs> I think I also have an animal, mine, but it's two. It's either a pig or a sheep. And anytime I travel abroad... I always either buy a stuffed pig or a stuffed sheep. Yeah, you already have your animals. And so there is a there is a shelf in our house that has some little ceramic sheeps or some ceramic pigs and then some like weird stuffed sheep that I bought from all over the world. Um, and I love them. <laughs> and I see it a trend continuing for the rest of my life. Yeah, it sounds like your your animal found you. Yeah. Well good, good for you. <laughs> Just think they're neat, you know. I'll send you. Well, I'll send you the link for that SNL skit. Uh, I want to see that. Um, so it sounds like the winner is Art the First, the Hungry Ghost. So, sorry, what was Bachelor Three's name again? Bonacon. Bonacon. That's right. Okay. All right. So yes, Hungry Ghosts. It it has a bunch of different names. This um, I found it under Prita or Gaki. So I'll show you. I am sending you two different kind of iterations of it oh i chose wrong (laughs) (laughs) i should have gone with the bonicon this is so much worse okay yeah i guess i i they're gonna need a sweater because they're all 
super naked, but also... I will... So just to... to just kind of in defense of this episode, um, I knew that these first three weren't stellar, and I was really sure that you were going to love the fourth one, which is why I was <laughs> including him. And then the more I read, I was just like, I feel like he might do better in um, an episode that were more themed for him specifically. You know, this this is a perfect exercise in Monster Crush because the, the whole concept of this show, I think, is to find beauty in the horrifying. <laughs> and you have absolutely, to your credit, found three of the most horrifying <laughs> things. Uh, and I am I'm going to find the beauty here. So yes, I am going to, I'm going to learn to knit. I'm going to make a nice sweater. I don't know if these things are corporeal or not. They are ghosts. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll it just. It says like, they're invisible, but they can be certain, seen in certain mental states, but they also can be brought into temples and fed. So okay. perhaps you just have to be kind of in a holy state of mind. Or yeah, or maybe the opposite. Maybe if, as long as I'm just like, as long as I just, you know, take my, my, my meds, uh, I, I won't have to look at them. And uh, maybe that's, that's a good relationship there for this. <laughs> Hunger Ghost, you are best seen, not heard. Nope, the other way around. Distended bellies. I think the the second photo has them eating poop off the ground. So maybe I should get a Bonacon anyway and, you know, circle of life, this whole thing. Oh, yeah, they're, one of them's licking poop off the ground. Okay. The other one's just cupped it in their hands. The one in the forefront's almost like... Like, they're like, I don't know if I want to eat poop today. I had poop yesterday. <laughs> I'm not really feeling poop. I want a little more something else in my diet. Yeah, which, I mean, where are they? There's all this poop on the ground. That's, that's, uh, there's, I mean, there's a door right there. There has to be a bathroom. Oh, well, this is also medieval monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, yeah, well. <laughs> let me let me thank my sources real quick. Um, sure. So, like I said, the real animals are from the medieval bestiary. I received the information on the Preta and the Gaki from the New World Encyclopedia, as well as from yokai.com. For the Nuklava, I got it from the Trans-Celtic online, and the Bonacon is from Ancient Origins. Awesome. Heavenly, thank you so, so much for finding these monsters. You, as always, have done an incredible job. Uh, finding just these horrifying things, and I love them so much, and and I'm I'm so happy to do this. All right, I want to extend some thank yous out. I want to thank uh, Richard, who is our super producer and makes it sound great in every episode. We really appreciate you, Richard, for everything you do. Uh, I want to thank Alexander Geisler, who is our musician. He did our intro music. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Cherboye. That is at C H U R B O J E. I also want to thank the Nerdsmith Network. Uh, they have tons of other great shows, uh, mostly focusing around uh, D&D and TTRPG streams. Uh, but we're on there, too. And we love being part of their, their network, their family. And it's awesome. Definitely give uh, some of those other shows a listen if you like monsters. Uh, we want to uh, offer out to you to uh, like us. Uh, subscribe to the show if you enjoyed what you listened to. Uh, give us a rating. Give us a review. Five stars are always appreciated. And if you leave us a review, uh, we will read it on the show. And thank you, personally, because we, we always really, really appreciate uh, feedback and kind words. 
you can also tweet at us. Uh, our Twitter is at Monster Crushing. And tweet us your Monster Crush. Uh, give us ideas for, for what you'd like to see in future episodes. Monsters that you like. Monsters that you... Monsters that you love. That's that's what we're all about. Um, yeah, we want to thank you all for listening once again. And, uh, yeah, Heavenly, I think we want to wish everybody, uh, as always, good luck in their, their monster crushing. Uh, and uh, stay, stay absolutely nightmare-inducing. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>